0: Alright friends, how's it going? Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have with me Don Ralph of Life in a Blender. Now Don is a straight up renaissance man. He's a writer, he's a musician, he's an actor, stage actor. This guy's done it all. He's super inspiring, endlessly curious. and, And before we get into it, we're going to listen to a song off their new record, Satsuma. Here is Soul Deliverer.
1: Instructions you must follow to usher. So long for if you should leave someone in a suitcase in the field, say all the children. Bring
0: deliverer satsuma's record life in the blender check out this record friends this record is a straight banger i cannot recommend it enough um so when i started looking at don's history he's an author and he's written like 50 books like way you i try to go in deep before going into these interviews and this was just very overwhelming because where do you start with someone who's written 50 books let alone the career in music so it was kind of a very intimidating. Looking at this guy's catalog before this interview, so I've been hyped up about it, and I'm very excited to share it with you. Before we get to that, if you guys can like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and on podcast platforms, um, also we're now on YouTube. So if you can hit the subscribe button and the bell notification helps me keep interviewing people and sharing this inspiration with you guys. And the podcast is mixed by Studio Forty Four C L E. If you have any audio needs, make sure you go to Studio Forty Four C L E. Here we go. Don Ralph. <laughs> I'm just doing some sound checking stuff. You can Where are you, are you in Cleveland? I'm in Cleveland, yep.
2: I've only been there once, but... Oh, yeah? So bar Mitzi's. <laughs> Mitzi's? Oh, okay. Cool. That was a cool bar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was passing through and also went to uh, Grog Shop. Is that still there?
0: Yep. Grog Shop's still there. Um,
2: I saw... Uh, oh, God. Oh, what's his name? Oh, man. I'm going to forget now. <laughs> Who did I see? Who is that guy? He's kind of like, you know, he looks like Ron Jeremy, but he's like got this soulful voice. Uh, oh, man. forget his name. But he's like very popular. I don't know. You know, on the indie scene. Okay. It'll come to me one day. Okay. Anyway,
0: <laughs> give it 20 minutes. It'll pop back up.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, but Grog's awesome. up was cool.
0: Yeah, Grog's a great <laughs> spot. We, uh, I play in a band in Cleveland and we did this. Uh, the last show we they had, we did a fundraiser for the. The Grog and the Beachland. We did two nights back to back for the whole like COVID shutdown and run of shows. So that was super cool.
2: Um, That's great. Yeah, uh, luckily, everybody I know from Ohio is great. So maybe there, there must be something good with Ohio.
0: Well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate man. you
2: know. Well, our friend Chris Butler, we've worked with for a long time, oh, and from he's the from the waitresses. Uh, from the waitresses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He produced the first record, and then he's he's I think he's an Akron right now, around there. He moved All back right. there from New York. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's got a he's got a wild story because he bought Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood house. What? <laughs> yes, that's awesome. He was looking for a cheap house. I mean, he was looking for a nice house that didn't cost much, and he kept they kept showing. I forget where that house is exactly. Somewhere in Ohio, right? Okay. And then he was looking for a house that he could afford, and, and the realtor said, "Well, this one and he's, uh, is affordable." And Chris no, Butler's not. looking at it, and, and then. You know, he uh, he says, why is it so affordable? Well, he says, well, I have one thing to tell you, you know, Dahmer grew up here. Uh,
0: oh, got some weird vibes going on. <laughs> some right, <weird>. right.
2: <laughs> but but Chris, Chris felt like, you know, well, what the hell. That's it's a good house. Yeah, he he yeah. felt like it didn't matter. If he can get past that, you know. <laughs> right, right. That's pretty hard to get past for me, but. <laughs> it is.
0: Most people want to feel comfortable with where they live and hopefully that there's no history old houses freak some people out but <laughs> right right wow, that's great i keep running into chris's name and like i just dove into the waitress's uh, catalog right and so i don't he's got he's got a really interesting style of writing especially with that palette of people in that group
2: right yeah and he's very uh, verbose and you know s- smart witty writing and get you know, cramps a lot of ideas into a lot of his songs.
0: Yeah. In a way that's like super with that, at least with eight waitresses, it was kinda like upbeat ska and like it goes oh, yeah. by really quick and like the lines aren't like normal meter per se. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. I, I don't know. It's really Yeah, weird. I mean
2: he's he's just great. He's just a genius songwriter. And and the fact that, you know, when I first saw the waitresses, I didn't know him and I didn't know I thought it was all coming from the woman because it's all written from a woman's perspective. Yeah and uh but it's all coming from chris <laughs> i think that just, but that was a great band patty yeah. Donia was just so good she had that great blasé you know oh. delivery
0: yeah that's a good way to put it
2: right <laughs> so
0: when did you guys develop like a relationship and like with writing and like when did you start working was it just he produced the record that was the first one right
2: yeah. Are we in the interview now? You know, I, I just started I,
0: talking. I it's I'm gonna start it.
2: <laughs> it. It started off on a cool a cool it started, note. it's starting, it just casually started up, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So i um, we're we're in it now, man. That's all we're, good, we're good, we're yeah, good. I didn't know yeah, if you yeah. did
2: to do anything official to start it going, but uh, I usually it's, say
0: it's Don Roth and we're doing um the Zig at the gig podcast. <laughs> and then roll into it, but we dove into it, so I'm cool with that.
2: Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do it in reverse. It's like the slow, the slow opening, you know, before the credits really roll. Yeah, that's good. But you
0: want to start off with a poem, so that's super oh, cool. We, yeah, we can to, we can go back to
2: we can go back to Chris Butler if you want, or however you want to do it.
0: Put a pin in it, but um, yeah, let's hear this, man.
2: Okay, here's my Christmas poem, everyone that I wrote. Thank you very much. Um, Icicles, bicycles, Peter Pan iPhones, bisexuals, underpants, socks and taser guns and gentlemen's relish. You can't overdo it. You can only embellish. And wrap it and bow it and douse it in sprinkles. And tie it so tight that the paper gets wrinkled. And shove it and stuff it in a shiny blue bag with a golden cord sash and a fancy name tag. And don't just get one when you can get a dozen. One says you're hatin', but 12 says you're lovin'. Bring on the peppermints, pasties, and bugles. Bring gifts in abundance. It's no time to be frugal. Ignore road conditions and say, damn the weather. Hire the dump truck and dump in the pleasure. Crank up the volume and the face-pounding bass. Call Victoria's Secret and order more lace. And don't forget gift cards. They're small but still pricey. Tonight all will enjoy, from the mouse to less micey. And nothing says loving, like giving and giving and giving and giving till you no longer like living. Because it's things that matter most, and more make it merry. Bring a partridge, a pear tree, and a bag of canaries. Bring a big screen TV where we'll spend the night staring. Just make sure we're buried under mountains of caring. Heaps of things that will soon be forgotten. A field full of food that will mostly go rotten. Friends who don't give, I'll soon be defriending. Forgiving means Christmas, and Christmas means spending. Beautiful. It's a, a tear to the eye.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a really interesting, like with the, how love is conveyed with like consumerism and like, oh, that was awesome. Thanks for sharing, man. That was great.
2: <laughs> Thanks for letting me. Yeah. it all out. <laughs> I, was, I was,
0: it was weird as I was waiting for, um, just the interview, just the, I had nothing going on this morning. I was reading, um, Mary Oliver's, the rules for the dance rules for the dance.
2: Oh, I don't know it, but it's I a, will a, find out a, about it. You can tell me about it.
0: Yeah, it's a it's just a book on how to understand metered poetry. So.
2: <laughs> oh, right. So this fits in. This well, fits this is in really, perfect. This, to me, this fits this Dr. Seuss uh, meter, you know, somehow, whatever that is.
0: It also kind of remind me of the Night Before Christmas meter or whatever. Um,
2: right, right, right. And Up like, on the rooftop and, you know, everything's hushed. Nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. Yeah, that that's right.
0: So when you... uh. So I was looking into your history, man. You, you've written a lot of books. If all those books that I found with your name on it are yours, (laughs) you are a monster of a writer, my friend, in the best way.
2: Spend (laughs) a lot of time alone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of kids' books. So there's there's thin, you know, they can be razor thin books for kids, with like three pages. But um, yeah, but but there's maybe like you know fifty books out there with my name on it. So it looks it looks good, looks good on paper.
0: Was it for real? Because I was like, I was going to dive in and try to dive deeper with those, but I'm like, I don't know where to start. I did notice a lot of them were (laughs) scholastic, and uh, I'm a teacher. Yeah, a lot of
2: scholastic books. And then, I mean, a couple bigger books I did, uh, one on Schwinn bicycles, the history of Schwinn, which was fun to do went out to the bicycle museum and they, they had all these Schwinn archives and um, boxes that hadn't been through. So for me, it was great to, they had so many great old bicycles, like the stingray with the banana seat and the sissy bar and the big ape hanger handlebars. So um, that's just one example, but that was a fun, fun book to write. And um, then one I did, on called lost America about all things that have sort of disappeared in uh, America from towns to like the route 66 and many other things.
0: That's awesome. that's awesome. Like I my bike my growing bike. up was my um I don't remember the model of it, but my mom gave me her old Schwinn. So like I was like I saw that I'm like that's awesome. But it seems I wonder what the Schwinn what
2: was your do you know what the Schwinn model was or
0: I can't remember I um
2: more of a 10 speed or was it was it a banana seat kind of thing?
0: A banana seat kind of thing. It was blue. Oh yeah. And that's like great. It, the gear shifter was just like that like I think it had like three, I don't know. It was like one switch up, you know. It was pretty old though. <laughs>
2: was the gear shift right in the middle on the bar you know coming out yeah they had some Oh, that's yeah i think they even banned there there were some of these um stingrays called crates with a k yeah and they had uh, some of them had a gear shift right on the bar uh you know right in the middle and uh i thought the some of those they banned because um people they said people were jumping off at the time they banned them cuz boys, I guess, especially jumping off and, you know, getting their crotch right on that gear shift, and they said, that's too dangerous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that, so when I saw that was in your repertoire, I'm like, I gotta do some swim research, but I couldn't find, we don't have it anymore, like, uh, or at least my mom doesn't have the bike anymore. It kind of, uh, I live on a road with no, like, sidewalk, so it, it got beat up, but... (laughs) <laughs> Not for, I'd love no, to have no. one of
2: those now. And even though I'm old, I feel like, what the hell? <laughs> I'd Was it, love to ride one around. <laughs> and they
0: ride good. You know what I mean? They're a nice ride.
2: <laughs> yeah. It could pop a wheelie. and <laughs> <laughs> <But you laughs> um, up, Yeah. Uh, they are really super, super bikes. And Schwinn is still, the, the label is bought by some company. You know, they have the, the name and they're still pumping out like new um, uh, stingrays like that with the banana seat, the sissy bar, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, now I think of it, maybe I did see one like at a Walmart or something, or at least a style, and I didn't check it out. You know what I mean? It was like, But um, you grew up in Brooklyn, right?
2: Uh, Poughkeepsie, upstate Poughkeepsie? from gotcha. New York. You know, two hours, basically two hours up the river. Okay. Last stop on the train.
0: Last stop on the train. Nice. <laughs> so biking was a thing, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was always, you know, biking everywhere, biking to my girlfriend's house, biking. To camp out, whatever, yeah. I don't think I had a Schwinn, though. I yeah. forget what I had. A, <laughs> I had a 10, ten That's surprising.
0: I would have thought <laughs> right. for I sure a <laughs> that would have been the reason that book existed. Was <laughs> Right.
2: He must have had a Schwinn. Don't tell anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's amazing. Like the amount of research, even in a small book, like, like I saw you had one on Java and one on free speech, the amount that goes into a small book ha- is a condensed amount of research. So the just to be able to take in that many topics and present it in a way that's if it's for kids understandable on that level, you know what I mean? You got to fully understand the subject matter to explain it to a kid, and like so to come out. Yeah, you're like, doing a lot of homework
2: on these uh, subjects and talking to a lot of people and making sure you got it right and running stuff by experts, make sure you have it correct. Yeah.
0: So it was writing always the thing? Did music come? I mean, when you stepped in the music, was it like a later shift, or was it kind of hand-in-hand?
2: Hand? Yeah, I'd say they're running along parallel tracks where I'm always writing uh, nonfiction to... I mean, I studied journalism, so okay. I'm doing one track where I'm okay. doing journalism, and then on the other hand, doing music and writing songs and being in a band for all those years. Gotcha. <laughs> Having the two lives going.
0: So, And I can see where they kind of like meld together and the amount of stress If I gotta get this done we gotta put this done like ah oh, the gig's tomorrow did we finish the song no oh. but um <laughs>
2: <laughs> alright
0: <laughs> yeah, and you grew up like as far as like musically playing around
2: CBGB's right uh, that- in the 80's you know playing CBGB's and I always felt like when I first saw CBGB's it was intimidating it just seemed that way like a scary place at first right but yeah. then as soon as you get in there and meet everybody, everybody who ran that place, starting with the head of the pyramid, Hilly Crystal, uh, were, those people were, were really nice. And, uh, you know, I wish it was still there. I wish he was still there. Hilly was just this great character, though, totally seemed maybe off-putting at first. But he talked very slow and would say, how are you doing, Don? Glad you could play. <laughs> deep voice. He was an opera singer, I think, originally. Yeah. Wow. And then started, you know, CBGB's. But um, CBGB's turned out to be, you know, the friendliest, most welcoming place. I always say that I'm still friends with, there's a waitress, if she hears this Allison Aguiar and she's married and has kids and our my family knows her family well, still to this day we're still in touch.
0: That's amazing. I imagine the environment, just because of all the bands that came out of it, would be intimidating but welcoming. But, I, I don't know, being in it was like, would be a whole different experience. Was that it though? Was like go? Did you start with the? Uh, sorry. I'm coming out. I've been excited to talk yeah, to you, Don. good. <laughs> Throw it all out. Yeah, I know. It's
2: all good. I'm thinking about it all. It's good to go back down the CBGB's tunnel with it all and think about it. And, uh, no, it's intimidating, yeah, because you see Talking Heads played there yeah. and Ramones and television and Dead Boys and, you know, you name it, Blondie. I mean, it was just – that's why it was so intimidating, too. It's just like, oh, my God, all these famous people played here. And as dumpy as it looked and run down, the sound system was superb. They put all the money in the sound system, not into the decor or and not – into the bathroom, which was notorious, you know, (laughs) as I remember at one point, it was just a hole in the ground. I mean, I don't think, I think the toilet was ripped at one point and you just sort of like squat over a pit. (laughs) So yeah, everybody talks about the CBGB's toilet, infamous toilet. (laughs) And, And there's still, did you know that CBGB's, um, the name, they were still, somebody owns the name that maybe is part of the fam, Chris Hilly crystals family. Yeah. And, and they have that, um, CBGB's in Newark Airport. There's a CBGB's. That's a. I haven't been there yet, huh. but it's a restaurant with a name. And I. I mean, I imagine the bathroom British there is better than. I would a, hope. The original club.
0: I don't think a, <laughs> a restaurant would be able to have a bathroom like the club. I don't know what the why clubs can get away with having uh, holes for bathrooms. Like uh, speaking of the grog shop, great place, but. <laughs> Uh, does the grog crowded? shop
2: have the same bathroom <laughs> maybe a little, amenities?
0: Maybe a little bit better. I don't know how the <laughs> CBDB sounds like it straight up was a hole. Grog shop's got a metal thing above the hole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, that's so, that's fancy. I wouldn't be used to that fancy. I a blender, Such
0: <laughs> extravagance. Um, <laughs> so, who was around when you were playing there? Like, who were the bands that you were sharing bills with? And was it Life in a Blender? Or yeah, it, it was
2: Life in a Blender. Because, which, you know, we've been around for decades and decades, starting you know late later 80s, latter half of the 80s. So we would often be teamed up with Camper Van Beethoven, which seemed okay, to make cool. sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, they're awesome.
2: So we have many ads, old CB's ads of our names together. Nice. And then there was a great band, Ben Vaughn Combo, we'd play with there. Um, trying to think, I mean, I can't think of all the names. We would often be put on. All the Hilly would throw you on with bands that maybe weren't necessarily part of your, uh, sound either. I mean, I don't think we're totally punk, but I remember we played some punk nights, Scott nights that we were just part of the mix. And I just think, uh, they, they would book him that like that. And they just thought like anything goes, if you deliver it, it doesn't matter if you're different from what's going on.
0: That makes sense. Well, you guys definitely, um, have some punk elements within your music. So it makes sense that, you can fit in. What you, well. What's interesting about Life in a Blender is there's so many different styles going on at once. And each record's kind of like a statement to whatever you were going through at the time musically. And it's really complex, which is really cool. Like, I was listening uh, the first song off the first record, Chicken Dance. <laughs> like, that song's complex, man. It's got a lot of parts. And, like, they come out. I don't know if that was... First record, you know what I mean? Like, there's probably recordings beforehand, but first record I found or, or early is dated, I guess. But, um, sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, I often I have a tendency to put in a lot of parts, you know, sometimes, and maybe that's to our, uh, what do you call it, detriment or whatever, because, you know, some people will say, like, it's just, it's too much, right? But, um, I don't know, maybe I get bored, some, and sometimes. You're writing a song, and you write one part, and then you say... Yeah. Oh, that's good, but God, I, you know, let's put add something else in, and then like that song, Chicken Dance, I feel like it has fifty parts going on one yeah. after the other.
0: It's complex. It's awesome. <laughs> I was like,
2: because <laughs> the new. I've record, always liked that. I mean, there's a video out there. If anybody's, you know, hears this and wants to check out the video to Chicken Dance too, is really I think great that we did years ago and worked with a live chicken, you know, that we got at the uh, the butcher shop. This. Chinese butcher shop in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, we went in, you can buy a live bird, which I, you know, until we did this video, I didn't know you could do anything like that. Walking to And the scene, I've described this scene before, but the scene of walking into that butcher shop was just wild because um, you walk in and you hear all these chickens, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, and then I look into this sort of dark room and there's these two older women wearing rubber boots and their feet are in this kiddie pool and they're sitting on short stools and they're taking chicken after chicken and they're breaking each chicken's neck and blood is filling the kiddie pool. I mean, it's sort of like, you could have made a David Lynch scene out of this, you know, scene (laughs) where you buy the chicken. And then we bought the live chicken and had the chicken out for the day and filmed it in New York and at restaurants and wherever we wanted to have the chicken. And I felt bad that night because we brought that, that chicken felt like, Oh man, this is great. This is the life. I'm out. I'm a movie star. And then at the end of the day, we said, well, I'm not going to kill a Live chicken. I'm just going to bring it back and return it. Yeah. And you know, we walked back to the butcher shop and I can imagine that chicken looking up going, Oh no, what are you doing? You gave me a great day out, and now this—the <laughs> most famous chicken here. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's... don't bring me back to the slaughterhouse after a nice day out.
0: Oh man, yeah, that'd be a weird, like, <laughs> <laughs> weird motions <laughs> watching that. editing that video. Like, I wonder what's going on with the chicken. <laughs> like, <what> a, <laughs> intense scene though. Like, I, but uh, uh, but yeah, that song is super complex in a good way, and like, but the me- I think it carries the. Me- it's not detrimental to the message of the song, I feel. I feel like it helps illustrate it more with all these different movements. And, like, with the new record, there's, it's, like, almost like a condensed version of a lot of movements, and, like, it's really, I don't know if this is part of your writing style that has gone with writing, like, books and such, but it's a really cool one to watch from the beginning and all these other records in between to the newest one that came out, like this this complexity than, like um i'm trying to think of the mail song why can i i'm blanking right now um but that, the
2: on the new record or the
0: no this was a uh, i should have put
2: that Well, on. the mail you got that that's in the chicken dance song you know where's my mail oh yeah he, no
0: that that no the, the mail uh mail uh, carrier fuck why can't i think of it today
2: uh, Or. Or you mean about the mobile wash unit? Mobile so? wash or, unit, yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, and that's about you know living in New York. There's always these trucks that go around after hours, late at night, with all the guys who and women who clean the subways with their power hoses, and that was just really feeling you know a um, brotherhood or a, a, fr- f- a kinship with yeah. the late night worker you know who's out there. Working away, struggling. I feel like it's a and people sing. People like the, it's a like a that's a three-four time song and uh, waltz sort of time yeah. signature. And uh, and when we do that live, I feel people really get into it. Like we're, it's like a workers song. We're all working together, uh, working hard. I am a member of the mobile watch unit.
0: Yeah, it's people I've been singing, singing along. I've been singing it to myself all week. But that's that's a, that's like the. It goes from these comp like a song like the chicken dance, uh, chicken dance to to that where it's like complex to simple, but carries the same weight in a way. I don't know. It's really it's really cool. Your uh, your ability to write in different styles like that.
2: Well, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, and I guess I that's you know maybe that's sort of uh, captures the name of the band too that we're not. I feel like we're not married to one style ever. And, you know, again, maybe that's to our, our, you know, it doesn't help us become popular because everyone's like, well, what's your sound? You know? And it's like, well, I don't know. We play around with, you know, all different. We could, this song could be country and this song's going to be darker and weirder. And, you know, it's all over the map. So well, I do remember, yeah, we would write some songs early on and, you know, we'd try to send them out to producers or whatever. And they'd say like, well, you know what is there's too many parts. That's the <laughs> problem. <laughs> it's not simple enough. Just do three chords. Uh,
0: cool, punk rock, right? <laughs> right.
2: It's, well, it's but you almost... can see, I can understand that attitude. You know, some people think, well, it's just too much sometimes. Yeah. But I think they all go together, all these different parts.
0: No, definitely, no. That's that's why I, I don't think like I I loved it. Like when I got more into your discography, I was like, this is sick, because those parts, <laughs> like like I was saying, like they carry the message in all these tunes, and like, but my whole like trip was like, how do you come up with this, like? Right as a songwriter, I'm like, how do you how do you keep coming up with these parts that aren't detrimental to the song? You know what I mean, like are you is this a kind of the jump into your songwriting process, I guess? Is this like a collaborative effort when it comes to different parts like this? or do you take um, a nugget of a song and like just
2: keep yeah, playing? usually, I mean, I keep I keep my tapes of little uh, you know, bits and pieces of music. That, that are just like i think this is a cool little riff or whatever and then i have all these little recordings and i think i start with one that i think is the basis and then then just you know keep working and working on it and have my notebook with all different lyric ideas and somehow it all just comes together but yeah i guess the the whole song structure comes from me but then a lot of the pieces the band comes in and they really bring their own voice to all their parts um so, you know, you know there'll be a great drum at the beginning of uh, that uh, Soul Provider song on the new record, and, and that's yeah. Ken you know, bringing that. And then Mark Lerner, who's the bass player, he really does come up with, the, you know, we've added on all this orchestration, horns, and strings, and, and Mark really has written all those parts, and they're all really unique and just complement the song. So, So, yeah, I come up with the basic song structure, and then the band comes in, and it just really adds on great different parts. Gotcha.
0: The horns really kicked in this record, man.
2: Like, oh, I'm glad you horns. like it. I, I'm totally, I mean, I hate to like say I love my own stuff, but I mean, God, I, when I hear this record and I hear those horns, I think like these these guys did such a great job, and the horn parts are great. Can I give a plug for the horn players and shout out their names yeah, here?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
2: So we got Jackie Coleman on trumpet, and she's fantastic. Drew Krasner on alto, alto sax, and uh, Kevin Melringer on trombone. And uh, uh, Jackie and Kevin have played with us before live, and then Drew jumped in. But um, we don't always have horns live; it's just sometimes yeah. just too hard. But um, yeah, they they were just super fantastic on this.
0: I get it. Like I'm in a three piece, and it's hard enough to get two guys to show up. Low yeah, horn section. <laughs> right.
2: You know what I mean? Just to get you know, hey, can you make it to this rehearsal? Well, you know, I'm kind of busy that night.
0: <laughs> and I, I, there's like a different mentality with like. St- guitar and bass player like rock band musicians compared to like horn players or or, or like string players they're like i i don't need a rehearsal, just give me the music i'll show up and it'll be fine and you're like man i want that confidence <laughs> like
2: yeah i mean yeah it, is, it gets complex when you have them in rehearsal too but yeah, i mean sure. basically we'll have the gut core band the bass and the drums and the guitars and just do that and get the get it all down and then add on the horn and bring them if we do a live show with horns we'll you know bring them in uh, after we've gotten everything else down
0: gotcha yeah I, I don't know with a horn section like that it's that it's more like it's more it's got to be like an event type gig like this is the cd release can you make it <laughs> like,
2: right 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 plus you know you got to pay everyone and you know and we want to and you know for so sure. gotta have a bigger gotta have a bigger show i mean we often just play um and I shouldn't say just, but we'll play uh, Barbès in Brooklyn, which is a great little club. But, yeah. you know, it really is the size of a postage stamp. And, you know, <laughs> even to have uh, us normal six of us in is really crowded in there. So, yeah, got to find the right space, do a bigger show with the horns.
0: Was it Brooklyn's got a lot of cool venues. I mean, I don't know now if that's the case. But I went out there uh, to did like a four day like stint, played like seven shows, something ridiculous. But, like, Brooklyn really has a lot going on now with, like, little DIY spots and, like...
2: Yeah. I can't... Yeah, I think everything had to move sort of out from Manhattan, right, to Brooklyn, pretty much. Although there's still some Manhattan, yeah. you know, clubs. Um, but, yeah, Bushwick, I know, has... I mean, we don't... You know, we get stuck in the same... We play Bar Bass, which is great, and we play Rockwood Musical a lot okay. in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're kind of in those, you know, playing those two all the time, and then you, 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 it would be good to branch out more. And sometimes we do, but I know there's lots of great new. Brooklyn is a, you know, is the like you said, a lot of new clubs out there, which is great.
0: New York, as far as like shows go, is like a weird time; it's zone of its own, like because uh, you're in Seattle now, right? yep okay
2: i mean i'm in seattle you know living here for the most part and then i go back to new york i was going back all the time because you know that's where the band is my yeah. wife's more from the west coast here and that's why we wound up wound okay. up out here
0: and i guess it panned right. out now with all the pandemic stuff to be out that way right. might be a little more <laughs> uh, relaxing than being in new york at the moment but like um just although it,
2: new york's done great you know new york's yeah. just killed it with uh bringing the you know, transmission rate down and everything, which is amazing for such a huge city. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um, Um, but like it, it just blew my mind how it worked for gigs coming from Cleveland. Like, yo, nine o'clock, that's the spot. And in New York, it's like, nope. (laughs) Like, it's like midnight's a good spot. Nine, no one's out. No one shows up.
2: (laughs) Although, yeah, as you know, now here we are old and creaky and we're like, Hey, can you get us on at seven o'clock? We'd love that. (laughs) um but yeah new york new york was even more i I was looking at old ads that we would play back in the 80s and 90s and shows would start you know the opening band we were were an opening band at the peppermint lounge for this band called the windbreakers and i was looking at the ad life in a blender opening midnight (laughs) windbreakers 2 a.m it's like oh my god is that how the shows used to go
0: (laughs) i think that's just a new york thing because i've like I thought for sure. Oh, we got nine o'clock. We played our first New York gig was in Harlem at the shrine, um, which was like a place decked out kind of like Fela style. And like, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I think I know that place. Yeah. It's a real cool spot. And I don't know if you're a fan of Fella cootie, but that's like a super rad place to find that exists. And like, right. We got there at like nine, like this is going to be perfect. It's a great gig. And no one was there.
2: Cause that was too early. Yeah.
0: It was way too early. <laughs> <laughs> like, Midnight, the the weather band comes on or whatever, and like they get a huge crowd. I'm like, what did
1: what did we do?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. New York does seem to have the later hour. Well, the 24 hour city does it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, the rule was that you would, uh, you know, you get off work, you come home, eat, and then take a disco nap for hours, and then wake up. Oh, it's 11. Time to go out.
0: That's, That's the only way I think you could do it. Like I w- the a few weeks I spend out there it was like I was manic about there's so much going on just all the time everywhere if we can play two gigs in one night what is yeah this place? you could too and like <laughs> it was yeah and it was fun like it was I, I needed this, I knew I couldn't live there <laughs> so if not I'd just be going crazy all
2: the time. You think it would be too uh, busy for you? Oh, just yeah. too much going on?
0: I think uh, if I go there for like. A, a, period where I'm just like manic for like that month or whatever and did as much as I could because if not I wouldn't focus like to write which is I guess uh, this weird build up into this question like you have to focus you have to take the discipline and just like focus on one thing And if you're doing multiple things like you are like writing a book and writing an album in a place that's manic like New York uh, maybe it was just because it was my first time going yeah. there you know what I mean like oh everything's cool but like The discipline to do that has to be you have to be fairly disciplined and like did I guess for for your career like did it start did this discipline kind of come from writing novels at first or like and then branching into music or did the music mentality of writing and like the discipline it takes to put on shows and do that whole bit play into the writing these novels.
2: Uh, well, that's a brain twister yeah. question. Um, <laughs> I will say though, let's see, I'm just going back to New, thinking New York too. It's so busy that you, you would find your, um, space and time there. You know, it yeah. feels totally frenetic and insane at first, but you do, it does calm down. And now when I go back to New York, I feel calm there. I'll be in grand central station surrounded by, you know, people warring around me and I'll feel yeah. like, ah, this feels mm-hmm. relaxing. But um, yeah, I think you, you, you find the space and time in New York and and you get the discipline too because there is a competition there, you feel, that's yeah. weighing on you or pushing you and you feel like, well, if you're going to make this work, you got to carve out the time and make it work. And plus, when you have the band meeting for rehearsal, say, and you want to have a new show and new, you want to have new material all the time to keep people coming and interested, yeah. that you feel like, well, you gotta, you just got to be disciplined because you, you have to put on that next show of new material. You have to come into your rehearsal with new stuff. Um, so, yeah, I feel like you just feel like, yeah, I, if I don't have that, if I uh, don't sit down and be disciplined, I'm not going to have that. And people say, patooey on you. That's what they'll say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so was the music what led to writing, like, or was this just like through journalism that led to writing books? In novels, uh, yeah. I mean, journal, you know, it was
2: just like, how am I going to make money? Got it, not going to make money with the music, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, with the writing, and then, yeah, is writing going to make me much more? No, but at least I can make some and and, and use that. Yeah, so I've just always been involved with work that's, uh, you know, day job work's always been writing and been lucky to find, you know, books and all that. I mean, now I actually write a lot of medical articles online for this Um, website. I mean, it's no secret everyday health. You can find
0: me on it. Wow, man, that's, that's, that's such a cool practice though. The, the have that discipline to be able to look at all these things and write up this, this blog or this book and then able to make it do complete artistic freedom with the music is like, I mean, it sounds like a lot of pressure, (laughs) But it sounds awesome, uh, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, it's not. I guess not pressure. I just, you know, if you're nat- I think if you're naturally curious, it, it, you know, it, that it's um, not as much pressure. And really, every time I'm writing articles here, I'm feeling like it's all about the questions you're asking. You know, you just got to keep saying, "Well, what questions do I want answered on this project or this article?" So if you have like a whole list of great questions, that's always the key for me to get these articles done, these books done.
1: Wow.
0: Well, that's, that's, I don't know, it's an endless inspiration then because you turn out a lot. So a lot of questions, man.
2: <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. If you're curious minded, yeah, just go for it. I think you know, <laughs> jump on into writing and see how it goes. But yeah, it's hard to do. I mean, of course, it just seems like writing is just a hard to uh, find uh, ways to get paid for your writing. Yeah. Like with music, how do you get paid for your music? That's always been the challenge.
0: There's yeah, there's like if you want to do this thing, you mold it to fit whatever gig you can get, and be like, I'm I'm a DJ now for today, <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> right. whatever opportunity it is. So that, I don't know, that's super cool. That's super. Anybody nice. in a
2: band knows the hustle of just trying to get paid for a gig, or even just you know, just a real uh, uh, low pay way at least in the beginning. You know, yeah. I mean,
0: in New York, you can't really be like having low pay. <laughs> Rents pretty expensive.
2: Yeah, yeah, so anybody who can make it just as a musician, I mean, that's amazing. And especially now, what do you sell? I mean, you sell some product at a show, T-shirts yeah. or whatever. But then every everybody's like, so many people. Are, well, I'll hear it on Spotify, and then I'll get my point. You know, zero 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 times yeah. ten one to the you know cents, right?
0: Yeah, and it's it's weird because like it kind of goes back to a with the whole genre thing, like Spotify markets your genre to this playlist to this thing the- and when you're a band like like life in a blender where you blend all this different styles and stuff and you don't necessarily fit that algorithmic push you know what i mean that zero zero point zero right sense is really even harder <laughs> to obtain
2: right right when you can't just slot it in and say okay i want to hear polka music and you know we don't you don't fit under one category so then, where do you slot in with Spotify? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, yeah, we certainly don't get much from Spotify or other online things. And, and then you talk, go back to Chris Butler again, and uh, maybe one day you'll talk to him. I mean, he's had big hits. Yeah. Uh, Christmas rapping, and uh, I know what boys like, and I talk to him, and you know, he'll get a zillion hit, like zillion plays on Spotify, and it still comes out to like, I got twenty dollars.
0: That's insane.
2: I mean, it is crazy. Yeah, that's God. Uh, it's crazy. I just think that system has. I hope one day this more change that that somehow the artists get more from services like, especially Spotify, that's which has taken over everything. Which seems like the monopoly on it all. Really,
0: definitely. because it's so they were just on top of it or whatever when the streaming service came out and or bought out everyone else and like, but it it it's to to move a a musical product now it's got to be more than just the tracks which is because any now anyone can just hear just the tracks and if you're not doing yeah. it you don't get that exposure so there's this whole like contradiction like of how to how to do it right
2: and uh, that's why i think like with this record you had you had a physical copy of the record i forget if you did
0: no i did not but oh I you know I, i'll, because I'll I send know you one that'd be awesome because man. we You know, like
2: you said, you're trying to move product to sell different things. So with this one we made, this album, Satsuma, is more of a book. Yeah. Uh, So it's taller. I say, you know, it doesn't fit conveniently in your CD rack at all. It just juts out. Um, So you can find it easily. But uh, but that, you know, we wanted to make something different that maybe people would be more uh, wanted to buy because it's, oh, this isn't like your regular CD. You know, it's really like a book with a CD in it and then... It has, we had a, We have artists, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> artist friends who did original art for each song. And then we had friends, some bartenders and just others who like to make cocktails, who came up with original cocktail recipes for each song. And, you know, we put all these different elements together and made an interesting book this time. So I feel like we have some product that's different to sell.
0: Which is awesome. It kind of encompasses everything that... Um you do writing and art and like music and uh yeah the
2: writing yeah the 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 book side really comes in too that this is a book and then a lot of the songs if you saw are are about books because of this other project i'm involved with the bushwick book club which uh susan wong in brooklyn had started about right you know all these she brings together all these different artists and musicians who uh will write a uh, an original work about a book for each show that she puts on. And then this idea that she's done where artists are writing songs about books is really taken off. And there's branches of the Bushwick book club now in Brooklyn and Canada and out here in Seattle, there's a huge one and there's one in Los Angeles and just all these different towns across the country. Now are doing Bushwick book club nights and, and even in London and Sweden, there's branches. So it's, it's been really cool. That's yeah, awesome uh, there's, there's all that, that it really exploded, and it's really been great for me because you're just writing about different subjects that you wouldn't normally write about,
0: yeah, and different like perspectives because you're taking on these characters from these novels. I think,
2: yeah, yeah, it definitely has pushed me and on this new record, you know an example with that there's this ocean is a black and rolling tongue song that we have, yeah, the last one and that's that's totally dark. I said that this that's the first song I think I've written that has zero humor in it. <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's about a hitman with a hammer. A story that Jonathan Ames wrote, and and he's usually a funny writer. He's written Bored to Death* and all these other great uh, funny books. And then he wrote this novella that's just a total film noir type of story about a hitman with a hammer. And uh, so it's just totally bleak and dark. And it was great for me too because you know, hey, I I've, I've never written something so dark.
0: Was it? That's I mean, that's uh, only can come from taking other perspectives like that and like. Each song on it is like comes from another one, right? Uh, like the song right before it, because there's certain words that stuck out. Like w- ah, this, the tune before it, there's a line that says, "When it all goes cattywampus," I'm like, <laughs>
2: that's a term.
0: <laughs> I have a friend who says it all the time, but that's the only person I've ever heard say it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I maybe this is the only song that's ever used the word cattywampus. I it?
0: we'll say it right here. We'll claim. The, <laughs>
2: coin the term <laughs> i'm gonna take the title i'm calling up guinness book to make sure
0: Unless, um... that
2: we get that title uh yeah and that's like and that one is a totally a country romp song that's the only song on the record actually that's not uh based on a book oh that's okay. just from my brain Cat- but well, the that word Wampus yeah. just came up i thought like why not throw it in
0: that's awesome See, I thought for sure, like coming from these novels, I'm like, that has to be one. No one just throws that term
2: around, all right? <laughs> the curse of reading too many books is like, oh man, he's throwing in another big. He's throwing in that fancy cattywampus word now. Now I feel all cattywampus. I don't know where he's coming. <laughs> the, the arrangement. We did. Song. We did throw that out as a. That's. We did say well, that could be a title for the uh, the album, Cattywampus. <laughs>
0: yeah, that would no, I mean, um uh the the one that you've picked a um kind of is like mighty Bushy, i don't know um
2: right that's satsuma yeah i i'm a you know mighty bush yeah yeah i'm all great right. oh great uh, yeah no, i'm a huge fan and that probably started the trigger for that title satsuma because yeah. he has a sign in there that says you're about as edgy as a satsuma and i thought that's hilarious and that's anyway okay. satsuma is just a good juicy Orange fruit that, uh, and I say it sounds like a, you know, some like in Batman when they hit somebody, oh. or something you yell when you're doing a karate move or something.
0: Definitely, it definitely got that. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for describing words with sounds. um
2: uh, yeah, on a good, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It's just, a great, it's just a great word.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Caddy Wampus is a good one, too. Those are both good titles. Maybe the yeah. next six songs could be the Caddy Wampus.
2: <laughs> Caddy all. Wampus, yeah. Or Satsuma's like Eureka, you know. Like, yeah, Satsuma! Yeah, yeah. I found it! I found the treasure! Satsuma! Or char- when you charge forward. Oh, now I'm getting all new charging ideas. That.
0: That's all? Well, charging forward. This will be the first part of it. <laughs> but yeah, the that's uh, second to last tune the arrangement on it is really like the composition on all these tunes like kind of i mean we talked about a little bit with with horns but with that with the banjo and all these where like it gets loud and quiet and like when the vocals are doing the muffled thing and then like blended in with the regular sounding uh singing like it's so well done like these six songs are strong like definitely
2: oh great yeah and i have to say like that those a lot of that um Dynamics in the songs. Al Houghton, the guitar player who um, owns Dubway Studios and is the uh, me, you know m- uh, owner uh, <laughs> of Dubway Studios, uh, he you know he produced everything and he's been we've been all together for years and he just did this time you know he's always does a phenomenal job but this one just felt like extra 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 great production so all those effects and uh, you know things going into the distance and forward and muffled voices etc and they, and then suddenly you know uh, out front uh, all all really amazing stuff that Al did it,
0: I, it it delivers it really does deliver it's a great set of tunes um
2: can i can i plug every band member too yeah, briefly yeah please i have my intros i always introduce the band and show so yeah i'll give i'll give you it a little the, yeah. the
0: rage puppet with it
2: you, I use the, the angry sheep puppet. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I have an angry sheep that I've always I use a lot in shows that yells at the audience. Awesome. I mean, we incorporate some puppets. Yeah, the sheep can yell. You know, he'll say like, "If I get one message across to you tonight, it is this: No one likes you. Straight, stay dressed to succeed. More clothes, good. Less clothes, bad." Where I mean, I anyway, That's he yells awesome. at the audience. and well, I didn't uh, know if he was like bigger.
0: introduction puppet <laughs> for the band.
2: Yeah, he's a bit of an introduction puppet. But also I'll say here, you know, which band member do you prefer? Al Houghton tempting you to get lost in his dense, prickly thicket of hair suit you know, his hair suit torso? Or is it Ken Meyer whose wagging, beckoning finger captivates you with its raw, organic masculinity and scent? of marzipan or do you prefer dave moody with his shape-shifting androgyny that confounds and sends you into spasms of unzipping or perhaps your choice is mark Lerner, who beneath his priggish exoskeleton has imprisoned a dare devilish ne'er do well wouldn't you like to wind up in a tight crawl space With whatever is trapped inside of Mark Lerner. Or maybe you prefer Rebecca Weiner. Wearing nothing but... (laughs) Oops, the cap. And giving her... This won't even make sense. You know, sometimes you start reading stuff. Anyway, giving her plaintive mating cry. Which pierces the air and causes an intense burning of pleasure in the ears. Okay, there's my intro for the band. That's epic. That's awesome.
0: I just I love how immersed in every type of art you are, like through writing and music and performing with the blowhole theater, blowhole theater, like it's it's a Renaissance man of arts. It's very impressive, and the fact that you can <laughs> deliver fully, even like with this intro and this these rage or these uh, the the lamb puppets and all these different ways to express is super inspiring.
2: Uh, well, that's good to hear. Sometimes I feel like, you know, you have a compulsive tendency to just like go over and do stuff. And for me, and then it's, you know, it's like a, it's an illness that can't be stopped, just doing all this weird creative stuff. So
0: I think it's so important, though, because that one of those things you do, if it's the puppets, or if it's the band, or if it's the writing is going to inspire that one person to go down their puppet rabbit hole or whatever.
2: And yeah, then, I hope so. We need more people down a puppet rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of room down here in the puppet rabbit hole. So come on. <laughs> I yeah, I don't. Be. Not enough bands use puppets. But,
0: that is true. Know, that is we're true. We're
2: trying to. We're trying to lead the way. I have a chicken puppet too that I sometimes use. But it... that's awesome.
0: Um, did you ever do anything with a? No, you guys did. You guys did stuff with. Um, they might be giants. They had like a puppet bit in their early
2: days. Yeah, oh, I guess they would have album. A giant head or something. I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, we did some. We would play with them, and John Linnell's on an early record. And um, Al Houghton, the guitar player, producer at Dubway Studios, they did their first two, three records with Dubway and Al. Okay. So there's a lot of crossover there. Mark's played with John Linnell uh, in solo projects, I know, when he did the stuff about the States, songs about States. Oh, so, okay. I mean, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were part of, you know, we're all part of the same. Maybe scene that's going on in the you know starting in the late 80s and going on when there's just I don't know there's just such so many at that point so many crazy to me more crazy uh, independent bands playing but you know maybe it's just because I'm (laughs) that was the golden time for me starting out there may be still crazy strange bands
0: there there's always some weird club that you don't know of and someone's doing something that's inspiring that their own little scene somewhere. There's the oasis of creativity and every nook and cranny.
2: <laughs> That's good to hear because I wanna hear I wanna see all those nooks and crannies and see those bands. I guess at the time when we're doing stuff, you know, in the eighties, thinking like, okay, there's Devo and B fifty twos and talking heads and I look at that group of bands. And think like you know god that was really what distinctive voices you know what uh what what visions these bands had that i do i see them as much now you know often i just feel like you, we used to turn on saturday night live when it first came out right and it was like you would find bands that were like oh my god what is this i've never seen this before and now it's more you know so you turn on saturday night live now and it's like oh these are the big top bands kanye yeah. or whoever it might be so i don't know i'd like to i wish there's more of the uh I guess, distinctive weird voices that people don't, uh, that maybe people don't embrace at first, you know, because they're, this is strange and bizarre. And then later on, they're like, oh, I can, I can handle this.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I think part of the reason they don't surface as much is the algorithmic rhythmic placement of, you like Devo, you try, Mike Watt. You know what I mean? Like it, There's like this, the, the guys that are making the weird things that don't fit into the, norm or don't know where to place you don't come across them as easily which kind of keeps it pure in a way like you i found these guys these guys they do this weird thing with the puppets and the recording like but i don't know in a weird so it's kind of half and half but you can you can find them now and you can hear their whole discography even on Bandcamp, and you can email them like we're, that might've not been the same reach before. So it's like a weird, right, of right. The
2: yeah. I guess on the internet, they're out there. You just got to dig more. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get off the path of the, you, like you said, with Spotify saying, well, you like this, you'll like that. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. you can't just follow the algorithm that's sent toward your brain.
0: <laughs> Which even though sometimes you're like, oh, I do like Mike Watt. I'm glad this came up.
2: Like, right. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, it was a Sometimes it works. And I'll give credit to Spotify. Certainly, I'll say, you know, yeah, put in Mike Watt or whatever, and then something else comes up. It's like, okay, they're right. I like it. I haven't heard it before.
0: (laughs) Which, yeah, I mean, it works. But as far as finding the weird, off the pattern, off the off the beaten path sounds, they're not there. They're not there. You gotta dig for it.
2: Yeah, there there was a show, you know, like, I'm going to tune in to this show on Friday night or whatever, and it's going to show me something that I've never seen. It's going to blow my mind.
0: (laughs) Do you guys ever do stuff with, like, Devo in groups like that? like
2: Uh, Big groups?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, like, just because, you know, being around the CBGB thing, and like I know it's like a different time, but... Yeah, I mean, the,
2: the name bands, you know, that we... That, you know, I guess we've na- named them. Already. You know, they might be giants. We have played some shows yeah, with yeah. A, at the beginning, and you know, definitely Camperman, Beethoven. I'm trying to think of all the. You know, we've ha- we've had just our brushes with people gotcha. in Berlin. We played between Mud Honey and the Buzzcocks, which was totally bizarre. That's, yeah. Um, you know, we played with NRBQ once. Okay. We played with uh, oh, you know, this was a great match with uh, Dred. Do you know Dred Zeppelin? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, so that made sense I mean, in some weird yeah. way
0: you guys got humor but maybe not that much humor
2: yeah 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 they're uh hit in the head with a giant fish humor but yeah, yeah yeah really good i mean they're spectacular musicians and that was just a, a one-off concept that they ran with uh what, you know what was it like reggae or reggae ska elvis
0: impersonating Led Zeppelin covers.
2: Yeah, do it. Oh, yeah. Elvis singing the Led Zeppelin in this kind of reggae ska way. Yeah, that was it, right?
0: Yeah, it's exactly... I remember finding them, like, in high school being like, what is this?
2: <laughs> yes. Now, do you see bands like that, that that take one idea like that and just run with it? Yeah, I don't
0: know. Kind of, but I guess it depends... I feel like if you come across them now, it's kind of like a gimmick a little bit. Like, the, what's the Ned Flanders band where they're all Simpsons oh, characters? Oh, right. But yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's what they're called, too. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, see, I like that. Now and then, give me just, like, that one juicy idea like that and the, go with it. That's great.
0: Max I'll go Sabbath, with gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> McDonald's characters covering Sabbath tunes. like. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the concept bands are great. Or like a guar, you know. Yeah, yeah. That that's great. <laughs> wow, that's cool, man. Um, So, kind of
0: the when you got into music, you like literally stepped in the music,
2: right? <laughs> You've heard the story.
0: I've heard the story, yeah. and I thought it was so cool.
2: <laughs> yes. I physically I super-
0: step into it.
2: I literally stepped into music. It's true. So yeah, the tale is growing up in Poughkeepsie, probably in junior high, uh, and there was a dump that we had to cross through to get to the Veder's Pharmacy, where they sold all the comic books and the candy and whatever you wanted. And yeah. so we walked through there, you know, over this dump, and then yeah, one day, you know, two buddies are in front of me, and I'm bringing up the trail, you know, the end, and. We're walking through, and I step on—you know—I just hear this hollow sound beneath my foot, like stepping on a box. And, yeah. you know, dig through the trash a little bit and pull out the box. It's not a box; it's a guitar case. And I open it up, and there's this great—you know—pretty great-looking twelve-string guitar. Nice. Uh, the neck was a bit warped, and you know, all my friends were like, "Oh man, you know, you're—you found it. You're lucky." And you know, they were nice enough. You know, I had to push them back and say, "You know, I found it. Finders <laughs> keepers. I'm keeping it." uh so yeah i was lucky to wind up with the guitar and that just took me down the trail of saying like i gotta you know try writing my own tunes on a guitar and i used that 12 string for a bit but it was a bit warped and i you yeah. know then traded it in for a six string i always wondered why you know it was a pretty decent guitar though and i've always thought who takes a guitar and says so like that's it <laughs> throw it in the dump
0: i didn't get the gig Oh. out
2: do you know a. <laughs> right. You, I thought, like, you know, I'm writing these love songs for this girl I love, and then she rejects them. He's like, that's it. Throw it away. <laughs> this thing doesn't Screw work. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't work. It's supposed to, you know, be the love juice through this guitar. I'm getting rid of it. But, but his loss or her loss of the guitar was my find. And yeah, that took me down the music trail.
0: Do you remember what kind of guitar it was?
2: I can't, you know, I wish I did. Okay. I don't remember what kind that 12 string was, but it was a 12 string. And I remember thinking, like, this is hard to tune. Yeah. It's hard enough to tune six strings. <laughs>
0: Double it. Except uh, I mostly play 12 string guitars. And my first, Oh, you do? Yeah. The first one I got, a friend gave me that he garbage picked.
2: <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. There's something here. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird.
0: <laughs> and I, I think it was like a, it was like a, uh, Winchester, Win Winchester not Winchester uh, Chester something like that I don't know well, me and my dad ended up fixing it and getting the play all right but it was it was kind of warped but I played that 12 string for a long time and like it, it had decent enough action where you can play it without buzzing. And like I didn't know like uh, I've heard the story about how you stepped in the music but I didn't know it was a 12 string that, that hit home
2: yeah yeah 12 string yeah well yeah if you were playing 12 string and still are it just definitely definitely a callus builder too extra sure. callus builder
0: for sure and like um i don't know i bounced between a bunch of stuff but like i ended up uh doing more like bar gigs and the one guitar i had with a decent pickup which i, I got a better like fender 12 string down the line i'm like
2: this one works and i
0: can run it through this wah pedal and it doesn't sound like garbage
2: <laughs> that's great and the 12 strings yeah they definitely have a big full great yeah. sound if you can handle them and play them
0: yeah but they do wear these if you do like a whole like a bar type gig where you're just playing like straight covers and stuff and just kind of strumming like that definitely your hand's tired by the end of you like i
2: mean now that work. i've long abandoned the 12 string i don't know the tuning must be constant crazy tuning i would think yeah, going yeah. on
0: Especially now being cold and I don't know, but I, I do a <laughs> right. lot of open tunings anyway, so they're kind of like like open C, open D modal type stuff. Um, That's cheating. <laughs> kind of. If all I did was bars, if I just banjo chorded it <laughs> up, <laughs> I'll send you some stuff. Let me know what you think. But um,
2: yeah, no, I'd love to hear it.
0: Um, I kind of wanted to ask, wrapping up here, um, does Life in a Blender ever plan to do stuff with big leather?
2: Uh, oh man that's funny because you you've dug in deep here then right
0: <laughs> yeah man i was excited that album got me pumped or that are you consider since it is six songs are we going with an ep or are you going with album
2: uh, uh, uh well let me uh you sorry, said big sorry. leather I mean, yeah. big leather is my my son's band right is yeah, that what you're saying exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, awesome
0: i dig his stuff too
2: that's great. Yeah, he's in New Orleans. And yeah, he, he's really he's gotten the bug too. Yeah, he's going to be I said, you know, there's a quote by somebody in X. I think it was John Doe's. And I read it in a fanzine ages ago. who said, like, if you're going to be hitting your head against the wall for the rest of your life, you better find a wall you like. And I <laughs> feel like that's what music that's what being in a band's like. And now he's he's going to be hitting his head against the wall now. <laughs> like me. <laughs> that did it. That's awesome.
0: Man, John Doe, that's one guy I want to pick his brain. Um, so, I mean, growing up... So, yeah,
2: he's he's doing it, too. He's playing a lot of stuff. He was just talking to me. He's, he's playing all this great solo stuff I saw, open open uh, corning, like you said.
0: That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> that's so cool. Wow. What a weird, weird... I don't know. That's awesome. Um, did did you notice that as your son was growing up, was he interested in music, or is this something he got into later, because it's kind of inescapable, like, oh, Dad does his cool stuff? Right.
2: That, it, part B is actually, that's the true story. Yeah. He, okay. he didn't, he, he wouldn't, he liked music and listening to it and had all great taste listening, but he wasn't playing anything. And then when he got to New Orleans, he picked it up. And, you know, for the past couple of years, he's been heavily into writing his own songs and, and doing it and playing out. That's awesome.
0: Well, I hope there's a, a, a blend of the two bands at one point or, uh, yeah, or at least a
2: double bill—that would be great. That would be super sick. If he could see to play with his dad, that would be great. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah, people should check out Big Leather too. Well, definitely,
0: um, cool man. And he—he do- he was a cart. Was he? He was doing the cartoons before, or?
2: Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, that's been his main thing. Is you know, he draws a lot of cartoon-like illustrations, but other than other art too. But that was what uh, he just was always. Since he's been, like, two, that's been his driving thing. He, he'd be sitting at this bench at age two just drawing and drawing and drawing. He's compulsive in his art.
0: That's awesome. Is that what drove him to New Orleans?
2: Uh, w- uh, he was in New York at first and living there for a year, and then he had a girlfriend that oh. they, her father lived down there, and then he said, hey, let's move down to New Orleans for a bit, and then gotcha. he moved down. They've since broken up but you know he's down there and has you know tons of friends and new orleans he met cool the great uh, community there's such a great community of artists yeah. down there and it's such a creative great place and there's no place like new orleans
0: it's definitely its own little jam of a town like i've only been there once and like i shouldn't say town state city um but i've only yeah, been there I mean, once
2: I, yeah new orleans you know luckily we went down there my wife and i went down there right before the whole uh, outbreak yeah. and spent like Uh, a week and a half there and it's just such a great place there's music everywhere you know going on you know and uh, i know a couple other musicians there and you know it's it's just fantastic there's this place with the carousel bar you know where the stools rotate around the bar (laughs) bar you know every you know you don't see this in every city and in that bar i forget the name what's i forget the name of that hotel where that bar is where the carousel Stools are going around, but, yeah. but uh Lena Prima plays there every week at a certain point and she's uh Louis Prima's daughter yeah. and she gets up there with the full horn section and plays all her dad's old songs and she does, you know, perfect uh covers, of course, of her yeah. dad's stuff. And the scene in there is wild, you know, people are just eating it up. And I I was eating it up, but so anyway, that's just a slice there's just this one little tiny sliver of all the action in New Orleans. <laughs>
0: Man, I, I imagine a bar with a carousel seats would be disorienting. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah, the more you drink, you're like the, the
0: dizzier you feel,
2: is, and when you're actually right. moving, <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. More, you know, you need to have one out there in Cleveland, that carousel going around. But <laughs> yeah. you have Mitzi's and uh, other places.
0: Oh, the, there's a place called the Fun House. I bet we can make it a little more fun with some spinning. Um, Is
2: Funhouse? There was a great. There is still a Funhouse here too in Seattle. That's the punk rock club. That's
0: even cooler. I don't think Funhouse is a. It's more like a a, a, um, like a circus game themed thing. It's not like a cool Stooges themed
2: Funhouse, which would. Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) But cool. Well, I know
2: Cleveland's got its uh, got its highlights.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm. And
2: it's weird side. Definitely some weird energy coming out of Cleveland.
0: Do you um. Did life tour a lot? That's a weird way to put it.
2: Um, you know, we just, I, I'd say we toured some, you know, yeah. and yeah, that's what, yeah, Mike Watt was asking me that and just was like, why didn't you go to California? I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> we just didn't get out there. Yeah. I mean, Minutemen were hardcore touring, I feel like, you know, they were playing like every day for, you know, years and years and years, but we, we just did, uh, out to the Midwest, you know, play, went out to Chicago. I remember we played a great show with Scrawl, that band called Scrawl out there, which I don't know if you know them, but they that was fun. You know, went out Chicago, Michigan, up into Canada a bit, and then dipped down south into like as far as maybe Kentucky, but then just didn't really um, go. I don't know, we just didn't go far and wide, and did a couple shows abroad, particularly this. You know, we did a little. A uh, jaunt into Germany once, and that was really great. Wow,
0: that's cool. But that not be... you know not
2: extensively. We didn't yeah. tour extensively. We just keep going back to New York and sort of have a core thing going there, and that's yeah. been. Yeah. We should do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Now it'd be a little harder, but uh... yeah,
2: I don't know how you're doing it now. I mean, some I hear some bands, including you know my son's band, Big Leather, going to some outdoor gig and out leaving New Orleans, going to Alabama, you know, doing some sort of like sort of safe yeah, show outside. And so there's some gigging going on, but it's certainly pretty much shut down.
0: Yeah. It's not the same. It's not like, it's not the small clubs where you meet all the people that are going to book you the next time you're back. You know, it's, it's definitely, it works. I imagine for, um, uh, acts that already have a huge draw and can kind of make that cut and raise those ticket prices. You know what I mean? But like, um, as far as like a small hustle unless you know someone that's going to supply a safe environment it's like a it's definitely a trickier haul
2: yeah um, yeah I, I mean hopefully it'll, uh, we all hope it's going to be changing soon seems like yeah. we're on a good path although right now everything's you know off the charts horrible but yeah <laughs> but with the vaccine and yeah 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 it's all coming i hopefully hope. fingers better crossed better
0: things better things
2: sounds like you've been out there touring along the way too you you've done it all
0: yeah, a little bit, not as a, I mean, it, it, uh, it's all on one person. I do all the things, like, and, like, I'm, so I'm always like, how do you do it? How did, how do you guys do it? And I'm like, who do I email? How do, how should I address them in the email? <laughs> like.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, that hustle, months. that organization. People don't realize how hard it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, there's a lot of all discipline, the- which is why I would, to me, it would make sense that if you're doing the band thing, that discipline would pan off into the writing thing. Like I, th- a before that B like makes more sense to me, but that's just my perspective. Watts really, uh, as far as did you do his um his radio show the Pedro thing?
2: Uh, yep, yeah, 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 oh, just okay, uh cool. last uh, Monday.
0: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, man, he, Watts a character. He's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. he's dude, you know he 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 takes you down rabbit holes for definitely, sure. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I did, a, but yeah, did he was great. He he talks at length with you, like you, you know. He really gets in, digs in.
0: Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, Don, thank you so much for your time. This has been a blast. I've had a, a it's been awesome diving into your career and trying to figure out: Did he really write all these books? Maybe there's another Don. Is he really? Because <laughs> like the, the, when you're just looking online, like it's it's overwhelming. It looks great. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, the I don't awesome. have any other life, just writing away in the basement. <laughs> That's awesome, though. So, but it's all true. Yeah, there's all those books. Like I said, some are very short.
0: So yeah, but still, like I was, I'm a teacher, I'm a music teacher, and I teach at a charter school for kids with autism, and I teach oh, adapted music lessons, right? And so, just to be like, okay, we're talking about rhythm. You know, I mean, like to condense a subject so it's like hit points. And like, they just get it, you know what I mean? And it, it, it's a yeah. lot of, lot of buildup to that one statement you make.
2: So yeah, yeah, that's great, though. That's great. You're doing that too. I mean, yeah, nice. just it's um, I mean, it's you learn when you write these books, you learn too, and then to share what you're as you're understanding something. It, it's good. It's been rewarding for me. Was it?
0: I can cause, man. It goes from like the Ottoman Empire, the free speech, the Java. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> right.
2: it's so awesome. And all this stuff's fascinating. I guess you know if you're naturally curious. Yeah. and Like I say, is it more discipline or just compulsion to do these things? I don't know. But if you're a combination of those things, you know, it, it, it's great. It just feeds my brain.
0: Is there a is there a drive for this curiosity?
2: I mean, I, yeah, there's a drive. I don't know where it, where it comes from, but there's a drive. Yeah, there's a drive. There's a drive. (laughs) Deep deep inside.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, man. Well, I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thank you. This has been great.
2: uh, Yeah, thanks for putting it out there. Can I say, you know, people go to lifeinablender.net, and they can hear everything streaming. You know, you can hear it for free streaming, and if you like it, you can buy it too. But it's all there at you know lifeinablender.net.
0: There it is, right there. Son Life in a Blender off the record, Satsuma. Check it out, friends. All right, stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for hanging.